Thanks for joining us on episode 1400 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. I'm Karen Kareshny, and I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to live your own calling in life, in business, and in faith is key. And one way to be inspired is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Miller. Uh, it is difficult to all of a sudden start praying five times a day at specific times, removing from your life all those bad things and bad habits that you, you've been doing a decade or more. But putting those efforts paid out right away uh, in ways that I did not you know, expect it would. And Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In this podcast episode, I interview Kareem Karichny. I ask Kareem about his journey to entrepreneurship as a digital nomad. I also ask Kareem how his faith journey intersected with his business journey. And Kareem also shares with you how growth and balance come through a process. I've got a new book coming out called Inspired Living, Assembling the Puzzle of Your Call by Mastering Your Time, Your Talent, and Your Treasures. You can find out more about it and sign up for getting more information over at inspiredstewardship.com, Inspired Living. That's inspiredstewardship.com, Inspired Living. With over 13 years of experience in sales and management across North America and France, Kareem found his true calling in launching new ventures, creating systems and processes, and business development at large. Kareem is an entrepreneur more than a business owner, because once the business is up and running, he feels the need to move on to the next project. While he was managing a small crew selling home automation across Canada, he then decided to start a residential and commercial cleaning company in 2018 because the demand was there in eastern Canada, and it quickly grew into a couple of cities across Canada and half a million in yearly revenue. While at the end of the day, it required very little of his involvement as the owner. In 2022, he decided to sell the majority stock in that corporation and is now focusing on his newest venture, franchise development in Massachusetts, for the company PropertyGuys.com. He intends to expand that model across New England by 2030 and is focused on making a lasting change in the real estate industry. And he's doing all of this while traveling around the world, having been in six countries over the past 12 months. Welcome to the show, Kareem. Hey, thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Absolutely. So I talked a little bit in the intro about some of the work you've done in the past, some of the journey that you've had to, to doing the work that you do now with Property Guys. But I always like to talk about intros as 
it's almost like the Instagram photo of our life, right? We always want to make sure we frame <laughs> it just right so that we've got all the good stuff and none of the other stuff. And yet there's always a lot more to our journey than just that. So can you unpack a little bit of what's not in your intro that brought you to where you are today? Yeah, to make it quick, I started my my studies and my career in in France, career in first in sales. Then I moved to Canada because I was born in Canada, had the citizenship, so I chose to move to Canada. And I continued in sales before moving on to management. And that resulted to me starting my first business, which is the the, the cleaning company uh, in Halifax, opening uh, another branch in Ottawa. Now we're working on opening a new branch in Toronto. Uh, That's an exclude. I haven't talked about it yet on any other show. Um, And uh, so this business has been growing. And uh, um, but starting a business made me realize that um, there are other ways to start a business. You don't have to start from scratch. And that's how I discovered this amazing franchise model, which is propertyguys.com. I wanted to be involved with them, but I also did not see myself as a franchisee for various reasons in terms of personality and more, how how would you say, a wild wild card. Um, So I'm not that good at following a system, but I really like the idea of having some systems that are already set and and perfected that people who want to start a business, whether it is their first or their tenth, can follow and be successful. It's not rocket science. They just have to follow the process, give their their best and be successful. So that's why I've been wanting to 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 be involved in the franchise industry. That resulted in in me becoming franchise developer for propertyguys.com in Massachusetts and I'm helping with other states. And that's going to be my next 10 years at least because I'm very passionate about about that and the value that it's uh, it's uh, bringing to people not only the clients but also the franchisee so if you want to compound the amount of value you can bring sell some businesses sell some franchise because you're changing the life of the new franchise owner and they're going to be changing the life of hundreds of people a year uh, through their franchise so that's pretty exciting and a great way to wake up <laughs> when you think about that so you talked too in the intro about how you're doing the work, you're running the business, you're working with the franchise and all of that, but you're also traveling and doing other uh, other things as well. And I think that's probably a little surprising to some people because usually when we think of a business owner, we think of somebody who's, quote, walking into the shop every day, right? And, and turning on the lights and running the business. So how do you see... You mentioned just a second ago, being a wild card, being a little bit, being somebody who likes to be out there. (laughs) How have you managed to merge both the entrepreneurial business, the franchise business, and then your desire to travel and be a free spirit and that kind of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. And the the short answer, it's not easy. (laughs) It does take time. It does take some being adaptable on figuring things out and making mistakes and so on. But on my end, yeah, as you mentioned, it is one of my passion to actually explore the world, travel, discover new cultures and countries, but not just traveling for a week, but living in with those locals and really experiencing those those cultures. And on top of that, trying to bring some value, not just business-wise, but also on my personal life to to those people, whether it is volunteering, whether it is teaching through religious aspect and so on 
how do you combine those two? It does take some time, so very pragmatically and very specifically for my my first business, I started creating systems and processes in order to remove myself from the model, from the business, from the doing, not by laziness, not even necessarily in order to go travel, but actually because uh, I believe that's the best way for a business to grow is for the owner to remove himself from the path, <laughs> from the way, uh, get out of the way and let you know the, the staff and the management do their work. If you have some good systems in place, uh, they will grow your business and you will have the time and, and energy and so on to open new branches, to start other ventures and so on and so forth. It's been a big focus of mine from day one to, uh, to create those systems, processes and delegating and automating as much as possible for the growth of the business. But also in the back of my mind, I always been thinking of traveling remotely and uh, sorry, working remotely, <laughs> traveling and, and working <laughs> at the same time, digital nomad type of uh, lifestyle. And that ended up working out quite well. Even my second business, right off the bat, I built it in order for me to not have to be physically in my session set, especially since I have such a large territory to uh, to grow property guys in. I Even if I were I was there physically, it would not have added that much value. And so I started this business with the idea and pretty much the business plan to do all my marketing and advertising and sales and networking and so on and so forth from home first, not on the road. But once you have that organized and like a well-oiled machine, pretty much nothing prevents you from taking the show on the road. You just have to adapt to the time zones. You have to adapt your life. I don't. I have a very atypical lifestyle right now. Where as we're speaking, it's 10 p.m. I'm gonna work until 1 a.m. I sleep about three hours at night. I work a couple more hours in the morning, and then I have the rest of the day free to go explore and volunteering and so on. So that's not. But but on my end, that's what makes me happy and, and content. I It gives me anxiety just thinking of, about being in an office uh, for even just five hours a day, <laughs> not, not to mention six, seven, eight hours or more. That's what actually makes me happy and content and therefore actually makes me more productive. Because I, I do have that good work-life balance, the few... The, the, I still work six, seven hours a day on average, sometimes a little bit less. But during those hours, I'm a lot more productive. I have my, my my head in the game. I think because I'm satisfied with that work-life balance and where I am in life. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. it's, in a way, putting putting your happiness first, which leads to success instead of the other way around, which is, I think, a big mistake that a lot of people make which is to focus on reaching that success, whatever that means for you. Uh, it can be a, a certain threshold, a certain job, a certain a raise, whatever. When you reach that threshold, you will be happy. But actually, you're never going to be happy this way because there will always be a next step. So mm-hmm. you get to reverse the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll give an example out of my own industry. So I work with a lot of, of coaches who are you know, getting into the coaching business and I help mentor and grow them. And a lot of times, one of the questions they'll ask is, what ideal client should I focus on so that I can make money? And I'm like, 
you know, what ideal client do you want to work with? Go work with them and we'll figure out a way to make money on the other end. But if yeah. you're just looking for the money, then you end up working with somebody that you can't stand working with. Why would you want to create that as a business for the rest of it for the next 10 years? That's miserable. 100%. And, and you usually and that, don't make the money anyway. Yeah. That's true. And even if you do, you're not happy. <laughs> so what's right. the point? Uh, that's And what you're saying is very true for the client and for your team. If exactly. you're building a business, it is because you don't want to be, you, you don't want to have that quote unquote normal life. <laughs> I don't right. want to, I, I don't like calling it a normal life, but you, you, you want don't want to create... show up in the office and work from eight to five yeah, but not just that. You, and that kind of thing. That's you, not what you want to create the work environment and, and opportunities and um, right. everything surrounding your business that you're satisfied with. That doesn't mean the, the work will be easy or that building a business is easy, but you want to create all the, the conditions that would, that satisfy you. So the people you work with, the people you work um, with in terms of employees and in terms of clients, what you do, how you do it and so on and so forth. If any of those, factors make you miserable as you mentioned what's the point right. that's very true right yeah the, it, it, a lot of people go into business and actually just create a job for themselves instead of creating their ideal business and 100%. then they're not happy about it uh, so you mentioned earlier that as you travel one of the things that you're doing is teaching some on on religion and and doing that and we talk a lot about faith on the podcast as well can you talk a little bit about your faith journey and how that has intersected and helped you focus on following your passion and doing the things that really drive you the way you do? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have to say, first off, um, I'm a Muslim. I am a believer in, in Islam. I know that you have had some, uh, uh, some interviewees that were Muslims as well. I haven't listened to all the episodes yet, but my journey has been very atypical in the sense of I did grow up in a Muslim family. My parents are pious Muslims. They pray and, and fast and so on. But personally, growing up in France, I think that's the main reason why. I've never been religious. I haven't really paid attention. And and France is a secular country. So I, I guess I was somewhat secular, meaning I was Muslim by name. I knew that I was that I was a Muslim, but I wasn't doing almost anything uh, in terms of uh, practice. And that was all the way to 20, what was it, 2018. So I was 28 at that time, <laughs> 27, 28. And a few things happened prior to my reconversion, quote unquote. The reconversion because I made the decision at that point to actually accept Islam by choice instead of just by because I was I grew up in in that faith so what happened is and I'm going to make it brief because that's not really the most important but a few things opened my eyes the death of my best friend at the time all of a sudden very healthy guy nothing wrong with him but all of a sudden he passed away and that's something that really shocked me in in in, in the sense of made me think hey you know what that could have been me because we were the same age. And if that was me, I knew that the life I was leading was not good <laughs> in every way from, 
from us, uh, what, what is expected by from us by God. So I knew that I would have been in trouble, and not just that. That made me start. That started to make me think about what I was doing, what was the point of what I was doing in my life. I'm talking about partying and drinking and girls and all those things. Where was that leading me? And another thing, as I was having those, those thoughts, a few months later, another thing happened. I was in a music festival, so you can imagine this environment. And at the exact same time, my parents were going to, to Hajj, which is pilgrimage, to Mecca, which is one of the five pillars of Islam. It's something that you have to do once in your life if you have the means physically, financially, and so on. So one of the best things that you can do in life, and I was in the worst environment. And it was the exact same week. And that also gave me an electroshock. <laughs> and as soon as I came back, I, I've decided to, uh, to turn up my life around 180. And in Islam, it's actually pretty easy to, to do that. You have to sincerely ask for forgiveness for everything you've done. And that forgiveness is granted to you. You have to have that, that, that confidence. God or Allah is the same thing. Told us uh, that each time we ask for forgiveness sincerely and we regret what we've done, we will be forgiven. Which is amazing. You don't have to go to anyone. You don't have to do anything specific except that talking to God directly, open heart, open mind. And... And you basically start fresh. And actually, more than that, one thing that I learned at that time, because I was starting to, to actually learn purposefully about my religion, mm-hmm. I learned that not only we're forgiven blank slate, everything that we've done, but on top of that, we might even have all our sins turned into good deeds. So our scale is not just empty. It is full of good deeds. And that's from the generosity and the mercy of, of God. And, and that's something that actually blew my mind. I remember learning that I was listening to a YouTube video a lecture and I stopped the car on the side and I made Toba or I asked for forgiveness sincerely at that exact moment. So I'm talking about six months after my, my friend died and a couple of weeks after that, uh, that music festival. So everything happened back to back pretty much in the grand scale of things. Anyhow, and it just so happened, now to answer your question, so that was just some background, but now to answer your question, it just so happened that the following week, I was actually scheduled to move from Calgary, which is out west in Canada, to Halifax and pretty much start a new life over there for uh, a work opportunity and a personal opportunity that I had there. So starting fresh without any bad influences, a brand new city where I pretty much didn't know anyone. And I just so happened that the, the, uh, the apartment that I rented from Calgary in Halifax, so without even visiting it, I just had rented it from, from someone, was five mi- minutes away from the largest mosque in Eastern Canada. Call that a coincidence. Just a coincidence. Or, uh, no, that was sign. just a coincidence. Uh-huh. <laughs> so just as I was starting to become religious and learning more about my faith and starting praying consistently and reading the Quran and even learning the Quran and so on, I happened to live five minutes from the, from a great mosque with great people in it. I had no more bad influences around me and a whole bunch of new good influences around me. And I also quickly decided to start a business because I saw a big opportunity and things were made so easy for me. Looking back, I can't even believe how things turned out so easy, so quickly. It started growing really quickly. And 
all of that, I do attribute it to the fact that, hey, I made a change. I decided to make a change. I actually took the steps to make that change. It is difficult to all of a sudden start praying five times a day at specific times and removing from your life all those bad things and bad habits that you, you've been doing for a decade or more. But putting those efforts paid out right away in ways that I did not expect it would. And by the way, all of that is not anecdot anecdotal. <laughs> all of that is actually anecdotal. Thank you. <laughs> all of that is actually promised to us uh, by God, whether it is uh, in the Quran or in the Sunnah, so in the teachings from Prophet Muhammad. Um, there are many verses that actually say exactly this. Uh, if you leave, if you leave something that is bad for the sake of God, he will replace it with something much better and by ways that you would not expect it to come from. I'm paraphrasing here. I lived it and I've lived it even, I'm not going to go with my entire life story, but I've lived it even many times afterward, afterwards when I decided to get married and so on and so forth. I'm not sure if I fully understood your questions. I, uh, I really opened up here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it, it does. Uh, and I want to point <laughs> out to people too, because I know you know, like you mentioned my background is and I'm Christian and that's my background. But at the same time, what I think a lot of folks, if they would listen, will realize is we've had other people on the show as well who's had a journey very similar to your journey, regardless of whether they're Muslim, whether they're Christian, whether they're Jewish, whether they're another faith. That and and I'm always encouraging people to look for the common ground as opposed to what's different. Uh, in other Absolutely. words, yeah, there is there are there things that are different. Yeah, there are, but there's also a lot of things that are in common. And I think that journey in that moment that you had, where you had that one two, almost one two three punch, <laughs> recognizing that hey, something's not right with my life, and let me turn back to something that I know is there because it sounds like you always knew yeah. God was there. You always knew there was faith there. You always knew there was religion there. You, know, you, you had roots, you had something there, but you yeah. had almost deliberately moved away. And then you had that deliberate choice of moving back. Absolutely. And I think that's something that a lot I, of people to, can resonate to, to add with. to that. Mm -hmm. To add to that's a very good point that you made because yeah I I always and that's I think the reason why or uh, maybe one of the reason why uh, God chose not to let me go in a in a spiral uh, in that lifestyle I uh, I, I was in uh, but very much saved me and there is no other term is because I still always had that belief I knew that la ilaha illallah so there is only one God. I knew that I was Muslim. I've never said that I was, I didn't believe in God or that I was anything else. So I had that very basic, which is the base of Islam. That there is mm -hmm. only one God. Muhammad is his prophet and final messenger. The Quran is the last and uh, direct word of God. So those core beliefs, I had them. I didn't understand. I had all the knowledge that surround all of that, but I had this core belief. And I think that's the reason why I ended up being saved and everything happens for a reason so this life journey i don't necessarily regret it in the sense that it actually helped me in many ways now to see uh, i do i do preach it's called da'wah it's calling people to to islam and actually i think i'm in a very 
in a great position because I see both sides. I see mm-hmm. the uh, the hedonism. No, hedonism. Basically, that lifestyle that some people YOLO type of lifestyle where we mm-hmm. live only where I just want to follow my pleasure and my emotions and my desires and so on. I've lived that. I know what you're thinking. I know the way you're thinking, and and I also lived now for the past what six seven years as a trying to be the most pious uh, Muslim possible, very practicing and, and so on, learning about my religion, teaching others. And I've seen both sides and I I know the, the how, how to say, <laughs> how uneven it is, how mm-hmm. much better it is to have, to lead a pious life. And from a business standpoint as well, because I wanted to lead to that, being ethical, trying to be constantly honest, trying to be always grateful for what you have, not not blaming God or others for whatever happens to you because you know that what's happening to you is for your own good. Eventually, everything happens for a reason. It's all, there is a decree. And so all of that, what actually gives you peace. That's why one of the definition of Islam um, is peace through submission to God because it actually gives a ton of peace of mind and peace to your life, even if you have a ton of trials and tribulations and difficulties, but you know why this is happening to you, you know how to overcome them and stay strong and so on. So just to conclude on this, I think a lot of people, whether Muslim or other faiths, to link to what, what you just said, are either complacent where they are in life or lost with what to do with their lives. And I highly advise anyone to actually look for the truth and actually educate yourself and learn. And if you do that sincerely with an open heart, and I'm sure you would agree, you will come across mm-hmm. the truth and you will hopefully accept it if you have the humbleness to, uh, to, to do so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you just touched on something too of that, your faith is part of what is giving you that peace to, because again, you've been in business, you've been an entrepreneur, you've traveled, you've done all these. I, without asking, I know everything has not gone perfectly. <laughs> the other, my, my joke to people is, yeah, your life has had struggles. You're over the age of three. It's pretty much a guarantee. Right? <laughs> so how do you, interject or how do you use your faith and then other things to keep yourself you know connected humble motivated when the things aren't going right because that happens in the world so what do you plug into do you turn to your faith do you turn to other things what do you plug into when you have those periods where it isn't going well that's an excellent question so many things right now came to mind. I'd like to lead with with one thing is that in Islam is not just something, one thing part of your life where, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have your sport, you have your family, you have your work, and you have your spirituality. And Islam is a way of life. So everything is linked to, to the religion and to God and worshiping God. Meaning not only, obviously, as you we have those five daily prayers. And the reason why we have five daily prayers at five specific time of the day, it is actually one of the wisdom is to keep you 
not only straight and in line all day long and every few hours, but on top of that, it's also pressure relief, pain relief. It's a way to connect. At least, and I'm saying five times a day. A few people know that five is the minimum. Those are the mandatory ones. Typically, an average Muslim prays at least, I would say, 10 to 15 times a day. It's not long. Each prayer is about two to four minutes, five minutes. But but the, as I was saying, it is a healing for your body, for your soul. It is a sort of meditation. A lot of people are into meditation nowadays. It is the best type of meditation because you're connecting directly with God as you're complaining about what's going on in your life, the troubles that you have. Not complaining in the sense of, why do you do that to me? But, hey, here is my situation. I am weak. I am nothing in, in front of you. Please help me. Only you can help me. This type of complaining. Mm-hmm. And so all of that, but, okay, to come back to, to, to your question, not only as I said, heals your soul, heals your body, brings blessings to your life. Obviously, the more good you do, you can expect to be rewarded in the afterlife. That's where our focus is, sorry. But we are also being rewarded here in, in some ways. With every, we know that there is an ayah or, sorry, a verse in the Quran, which means with every difficulty comes ease. And it's repeated, indeed, with every difficulty comes ease. And, and that whatever ha- is happening to you in terms of difficulties and tribulation, it is uh, meant to be for a good that will come. All of us have had experiences where something happened to us that was unpleasant, but that actually led us to growth in some ways, to meeting someone, to, to, to something positive and a lot more positive afterwards. If you have that conviction that everything that happens to you is for a good reason. This leads you to be patient, and patience is a huge aspect of Islam. This leads you to to be grateful to God. It's it's odd when you have a challenge, you're being grateful. Yeah, you're grateful for all the good things that you have. Say, hey, I'm going to give you a concrete example. Not long ago, a couple of weeks ago, I, I hurt myself with my bike, and basically my toenail got removed you can imagine the pain (laughs) and to this day it hasn't grown back and i was limping for a while and so on very unpleasant but this actually made me led me to remind myself hey i have nine other toes that are fine and i have 10 other fingers that are fine so i was very grateful for that it's a very small example but Mm -hmm. really just to give clarity to what i'm saying whatever is happening to us we have so much it's uh, it's you cannot even count uh, the amount of blessing we have in our life from our health to our wealth our family with the country you live in whatever it might be you really cannot count it so any small thing don't should make you grateful for what you have and and lastly we also uh, know that in islam even the smallest pain or anxiety or suffering of any kind stress and so on will actually is a way if we are patient and faithful it is a way to expiate our sins in this life so every second that you spend having any kind of pain is actually expiating your sins and elevating basically your rank 
in, in paradise. So also remembering that you can imagine when you know that with conviction, you can imagine how this brings it's really not that bad type of mm-hmm. uh, mentality. It brings a lot of peace. So everything that all those examples are for your personal life and your business. Yes, you can have a big challenge, lose a big client, whatever it might be. I know that it is for a good reason. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be grateful for all the other clients that I have. I know that God will reward, will replace that one with five other clients or maybe a whole other business or maybe whatever it might be. And so having all those convictions make you zoom through life with without fear or with less fear, less stress, less anxiety, and, and so on, and, and, and similarly in business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've got a few questions that I like to ask all of my guests, but bef- before I go there, is there anything else about this journey that you've been on and the, the work that you do that you would like to share with the listener? Yeah, to link back to pretty much everything that we we talked about, and I know we touched on a, on a lot of things. I'd like to mention again because I think it is very important to everyone to actually educate themselves on on their faith and on others, and that mm-hmm. was also one of the purpose of us having that conversation today. Because to be honest, I very rarely open up on my past, on my personal past, as I did. I think it's actually the first time. I've done that on any show. So that's another exclude. And the reason I did that is not to talk about myself because that has no benefit, but really to inspire others to realize that whatever is happening to you is not the end of the world. And you should try to look at it from outside the box. Try to, to understand instead of lamenting on what's going on, try to find your purpose. Because at the end of the day, we're on this earth for a very short period of time, on the in the great scale of things, the time that you spend living is <laughs> so much smaller than the time that you spend dead. We were unexistent. We live a very short time, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years at best, and then we're going to be dead for hundreds of years. So try to use this time efficiently, not wa- wasting your life in things that really don't bring any value to you, to the world and try to figure out what is the purpose of, of your life and the purpose of life in general. Um, as you and I know, as believers, the purpose is in the afterlife, is not here. But you have to know that and have that conviction. And so doing that, I do believe that doing that research for the truth and accepting it and living it is the the only purpose of this life. There is nothing else important beside, besides that. So I'm really trying to highlight that from my past experience on uh, the fact that it's primordial, extremely important. Mm-hmm. My brand is Inspired Stewardship, and I use that word stewardship a lot. And yet that's one of those words that like leadership, like a lot of other words, it means different things to different people. And so I just like to ask my guests, when you hear the word stewardship, what does that word mean to you? Shepherd. <laughs> That's the first word that, that, that comes to mind. I was going to say leadership, but since you mentioned it, it's, it's actually more leadership in the sense of, of guidance and, and trying to lead your life in the best way and to bring, to surround yourself with, with people that you you guide on towards the right path 
if that makes sense. So that that's I actually, to be honest, I don't even know exactly the definition of stewardship, but that's really <laughs> what comes to mind. And I think it's important. Uh, it's an important concept in business and very much in life and in in religion. As I was telling you earlier, one of the things that I like to do everywhere I am, but specifically as I'm traveling, is to to bring value to people around, including in religion, anything, whether it is a Quran or uh, the Sunnah, so the teaching of Prophet Muhammad, or how to lead a better life, everything that I learned from my life, to try to share it as much as I can, as wide as I can. And I believe this is a form of stewardship. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is my favorite question. Imagine for a minute I, I had this magic machine. And with this machine, I could pull you from where you are today and transport you into the future, maybe 150, maybe 250 years. But through the power of this machine, you were able to look back and see your entire life and see all of the connections, all of the ripples, all of the impacts you've left behind. What impact do you hope you've left in the world? Wow, that's a very yeah, that's an amazing question. So, if you allow me, I'm going to to link that again to uh, to another hadith, to another saying of Prophet Muhammad, which is very important also to us. So, this saying from Prophet Muhammad, and I'm going to to paraphrase it. And when we say Prophet Muhammad, I have to add peace be upon him, wasallam. When you die, when a Muslim dies, all his deeds stop, except for three. Continuous charity, so ongoing charity, if you have, for example, some charity that is ongoing and continues to repose benefits, re-benefits in, in people's lives, even after your death, so you do continue to keep to get the the reward from that one charity, that one action. Beneficial knowledge when you have shared beneficial knowledge uh, with others and it benefited them, and then they benefited their kids and their grandkids and their community and so on and so forth. All those rewards will come on your scale even after your your death. And a pious offspring that prays for you or prays for uh, God to have mercy on you and to elevate you. All of that continues on your scale, even after your death. And I'm talking until the day of judgment, so for hundreds or thousands or dozens of thousands of years until the end of time, uh, you can imagine the effect. It's a very much compound effect. It's a big thing in finance. In religion, it, it is something uh, huge as well. It's uh, you, you cannot even imagine uh, the amount. So to answer your question, those are the three things that my focus are on in terms of long-term, very long-term. So you mentioned 150 years, but let's say a 1,000 years, I, I would like to still see the benefit from those deeds that I'm doing in my short life, still having some effect thousands of years later. And concretely, what does that mean? That means I do give to mosques, for example, to build a new mosque or to maintain a mosque. I'd like to see that mosque still exist or new mosques uh, existing, but within them, having people who have learned the religion, who have prayed in it, all those rewards on my scale. And then they will also build other mosques and teach Quran and, and spread the religion and so on and so forth. Similarly, with very valuable knowledge, it can be knowledge of religion or even else, any valuable knowledge you brought to others, that having effect 
generation after generation, millions of people who benefited from some, maybe some inputs that I have given right now in this conversation, hopefully that have touched, that has touched one person and it's going to spread over generation to millions of people. And similarly with my offsprings and all the next generation from my family, if I'm blessed to have some kids, similarly for them to be pious people, to be righteous people, to be honest people, generous people, grateful and so on. And all of those, all of those reward and effects, I'd like to see them hundreds and thousands of years from now. Awesome. So what's coming next? What's on the roadmap as we kick off here 2024 and move into the year? Personally, that's a tough question on my on the personal side because we're still right now we're in Malaysia. I haven't mentioned it. We've been in Malaysia, my wife and I, um, for six months, and uh, we're still undecided. Shall we? Should we come back to 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 Canada or maybe Massachusetts? Should we uh, stay here a little bit longer or else? There are other options that we're that we're weighing. It's going to be. We're going to be somewhere. <laughs> I cannot guarantee where, but we're, we're probably going to be continue traveling for, for a little while, at least until we have kids and we might want to settle down at some point. Okay. So from a, that's from a personal, on the personal side, on the, the business side, my focus is on propertyguys.com and expanding their franchises all across New England. So right now my focus is on Massachusetts, but I do want to take the business all the way on the, the whole East Coast, or at least New England. Being able to do that, I'm very grateful to be able to do that remotely for as long as, as possible. Maybe eventually I will have to relocate to Massachusetts or New England. But for now, I'm able to do that remotely, and I'm very much enjoying it. Uh, so I'm going to try to double down on that. In my cleaning business in Canada, I'm actually in process of uh, selling it. So hopefully by 2024, we should have that whole venture sold. So we would have closed on five years of operating and growing that cleaning business. And hopefully by then it's going to be taken over by a new owner that will be more hands-on and will take even better care of it than me being so far away. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find out more about Kareem and the work that he does with Property Guys over at info.propertyguys.com slash mass for Massachusetts. Of course, I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Kareem, why don't you share a little bit more with the listeners about Property Guys and what they can do, what they could learn if they reach out to you about that business? 100%. Thank you for asking. So propertyguys.com, in a nutshell, it is a 25-year-old uh, business. So it's uh, it's not new. It's a business that is there to disrupt the real estate industry and has been, as I said, for a couple of decades now. And the idea is to allow property buyers and sellers to buy and sell, but for a fraction of what it typically costs, uh, there is no commission. All the services that they need and that they want are included in a package, and that package is a one-time flat fee, typically in the four, five, or six grand range. Doesn't matter the type of property. It can be a $2 million property. You can sell it for five grand. And that includes not only the work from uh, a realtor having the listing on on the MLS, all the exposure, the marketing, the lawyer, the stager, the photographer, everything you need is included in that package. So that's very much a revolutionary model. And so what I do with Property Guys is to bring that model to New England and doing that by 
uh, finding some franchisee, so some people who are willing to buy a franchise own the franchise being a business, uh, so they, they own a piece of the map where they are exclusive, um, where they operate under the property guys model uh, and systems and processes which have been perfected for over 25 years. Um, so those franchisees are typically uh, real estate agents or real estate professionals, but not exclusively. Even any aspiring entrepreneurs uh, can be a great fit, but specifically for real estate professionals, it is an amazing fit because it allows them to stand out from the crowd, to do things differently, to be exclusive, and bottom line, to, to make a much higher income than most agents for a lot less prospecting, a lot more flexibility. So it's a very advantageous model. It's a great model to, to be a part of, very grateful to be a part of. So anyone who wants to, uh, to learn more, the, the link that you mentioned, or simply by Googling my name, I'm the only one <laughs> with that name. So you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find my website and, and this show and other shows. So don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures, develop your influence, and impact the world.